Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Bostecu. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame, and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hey, wonderful ones. Welcome to the Hoovering Podcast's 100th ever episode. I don't know if you've been counting. Luckily, my wonderful editor, Emma, was counting and so alerted me to the fact that this is my 100th episode. Woohoo! That's exciting. Uh, to celebrate, I'm going to talk to a bit of a hero, actually, Ruby Tando. She's written the most beautiful, rich, gorgeous book called Eat Up, which will make your heart and head sing alike when it comes to where you're at with eating. It's so good and so artfully written. And maybe you know her from Bake Off. Um, anyway, she's amazing. And it is an honour and a privilege to hoover with her. Just quickly, um, there's some hoovering lives coming up. The next one's in Leicester on the 9th of February at two o'clock. Google Leicester Comedy Festival hoovering and it comes up. If you want discount tickets to that, go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod and you'll see where you can swap anything from tiny to big amounts of money um uh, in exchange for hoovering related perks like discounts to live shows also if you're thinking about becoming a patron now is a badass time to either hop in or up to if you're already one the ten dollar tier even if it's just for a month or two uh because at the end of the month hoovering is turning two years old and i've recorded an extra special birthday dinner party episode around mine with loads of brilliant guests from the last year and some future guests actually some previews of them eight of the funny lovely bastards all in my house at the beginning of the month um which which is only going to be available for $10 patrons to get to hear for uh, for months and months before it's out on release as a general episode anyway. 
The tour of my show, Hench, my stand-up show, has begun. I'm coming all around the UK and Ireland and to Melbourne, um, but from now until the 25th of January, it's at the Soho Theatre, and there's only a handful of tickets left for every night. So I've added two extra shows at 10.15 at night on the 24th and 25th of January. Wherever you're based, I'll probably be coming somewhere near you, and I'll be chuffed AF if you came and saw the show. Thanks for being a hoovering listener, and if you like it, please don't forget to tell other people about it, and rate, review, and subscribe, and give it five stars, blah, 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 and that's how other people can find it more easily. Thank you. Right, let's get into it. Ruby and I met at the lovely swanky Acast studios in London, and we ate a beautiful olive oil cake that she'd made. What a treat. We've begun. There is no formal beginning. Thanks so much for doing this, Ruby. No problem. Um... I don't know where to start, really. Often somewhere near the beginning. I'll start with this. Have you eaten anything particularly brilliant or awful in the last few weeks? Oh. It's a big question, isn't it? Especially this soon after Christmas. Do you know what was really nice, actually? At Christmas, um, I kind of... We had, like, a friend Christmas, a few of us. And uh, one friend... Well, no parents. You did an hour generation. It was was ideal. (gasps) It was ideal. Minimal stress. No one had a Barney. No one had to stomp up to bed early. It was was really nice. Oh, my God. And then no one... I probably had to listen to quite a lot less toxic chat as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was easy. So anyway, sorry, I bowled over you there. No, no, no problem. Um, One one friend isn't a very confident cook. Right. But we took the time out of the day to make a... uh, a kind of meringue roulade thing, <gasps> you know, the, you know, the yeah. thing. And we filled it with like a passion fruit curd and oh. whipped cream and all of that. So that was that was special because oh it was God, it was like amazing. seeing how well she'd done making it and everything as well. That was nice. Oh, yeah. so you took time out on Christmas actual day to build a friend's confidence at cooking. I or was think that it like was around? Christ- yeah, it was Christmas day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. God, that's so impressive. <laughs> also, I'm just so impressed by the act of rebellion of having um, a, pe- a sort of parent. Generation less Christmas. Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering whether everyone should maybe try it. Yeah, cause... I know. Well, my my um sort of ex brother-in-law and his partner. You know, like how often in relationships people go, I have a year with my family, a year with theirs, yeah. and alternate. They do that and then have an alternate third year where they were allowed to be on their own. And I was like, that's a treat. <laughs> basically, <laughs> it's a long a time treat. to wait for the treat, isn't it? Yeah, you get th- you get the Christmas you actually want every three years. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, (laughs) Right, so I've got your book. I so love it. I love your book. It's called Eat Up. If anyone listening hasn't already read it, then I can't recommend it enough. But um, So when I first started writing about eating um, and before I was doing a podcast about it, I just wanted to do something about how joyful eating could be. And I feel like um, for all the other functions that eating serves, that's the one that actually, I mean just sort of gets the least press, actually. It, eating's made to look sort of sexy mm-hmm. a lot, filth, filthy, <laughs> but not just not just sort of satisfying and joyful, never messy. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I felt like your book had as this amazing overarching theme, uh, the just the sheer basic animal joy and then everything else that can come under that umbrella of it. Yeah. And that feels, I don't know, maybe that's a complete, maybe this is a wank thing to say, but it feels like once you, once you look at things like that, once you, also as well, sorry, I take too long to describe things, but it means you get lots of time to drink your tea. <laughs> um, 
I love the way that you talk about eating starting from the very first idea that you might have about something you might fancy or mm -hmm. something you definitely want mm -hmm. or, you know, the first deliberations, the first sort of side eye at a recipe book or uh, passing a Greg's, whatever, yeah. right through to the final memory you will have had of eating it, which takes in the whole of the, not just the act, it's so much more than the act. It's all yeah. the prep, it's I all the it after too effects. I sometimes, I think. I, I, more than once in the, in the book, I think I talk about shitting. <laughs> so oh, well, this podcast about eating and we way. always end up talking about that, shitting. Can you? you can't. conclusion. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it is the conclusion, but it feels like... Um, Oh, oh, I've learned through two years of doing this podcast. You can't talk about eating without talking about shitting yeah. virtually at least once per podcast. Yeah. And, and you can't just well, We've got it in early now. Yeah, we've done it now. Yep. Got it out of the way. <laughs> I've got a friend, one of my best mates, Rachel, who um, is never, it's never, it's never more than five minutes before she started to talk about shit. It's <laughs> one of her main strengths. But I think once you've got that, it feels like such a solid philosophy that I have never come across before, this looking at eating as being such a much bigger thing than the act of eating. Mm. It, it feels almost like a lifestyle to think and feel like that. It, it makes you so much more conscious of all of it, surely. It it does. But there's it's kind of like, I think I see it as there being two strands. Like you mentioned it kind of being like an animal joy. Mm. It's For me, it's like holding on to that and treating yourself a little bit like you would treat like I'm, I'm dog sitting at the moment right. and this dog, it needs a walk in the mornings, otherwise it's grouchy <laughs> right. and stressed and anxious and then it needs food a certain number of times a day. Yeah. And so for me, one strand is seeing yourself as an animal, as yeah. this little thing that kind of needs this pretty routine maintenance with its all, all its bodily functions. And then there's another strand, obviously, which is seeing food as something that you can kind of invest in and think about and plan for and dwell on and, and all of that stuff. But... You kind of have you have to have both going at the same time. Because yeah. if it's all the thinky stuff, then you get really neurotic about food and really kind of precious about it. And if it's all the animal stuff, then you're just like one of these, you know, like um, a, a bro who only drinks soylent and sees oh. his body as a machine. You know, yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, beautifully put. Um, it's so true. I um, uh, are you also write really nicely about how which I. There were so many things that I felt like, oh, you've you finished my thought I started. Do you know what I mean? I mean, entirely as a compliment. I mean, I started a million thoughts all the time, but I was like, oh, no, no, and that's, if you really thought that through to the end of thinking it, that's what that means. But you talk about how we live in a world that's terrified of women eating and um, of being hungry and our fear of being happy, I think. Mm. Um, I just wanted to discuss that a bit more because obviously it's madness, Many people are living their lives into, especially women, how many women, I should say, are living their lives into adulthood and old age in a, still on a cycle, constant cycle of diets. For me, the maddest thing about that is there's so many horrific things physically, but that psychologically, if you're living like that, you're living your life waiting to be happy. Yeah. And you could just be happy now. And I just wanted to talk to you about, like, where that fear of happiness comes from is it entirely the patriarchy do you think or do you think there's a I wonder whether there's a human element as well of always needing some to leave some room for improvement mm -hmm. like in this sense the, the fit what is I don't know fear of satisfaction as well as happiness this idea of going well what would I do then yeah <clears throat> I mean this, this is something I've been thinking a lot about recently actually yeah. about this idea of self-improvement and streamlining yourself and being more efficient and being better, better in, in, in quotes. But um, 
I think there's a shift that's happened and I think it makes everything so much more complicated because I think once upon a time you'd have like really toxic shows like um how to look good naked oh, do you remember God. that one horrible where Gokwan would just like pinch bits of ladies bottoms and say let's cover that up but look at your eyes it was really Trini and Susanna like leveled up to 100 that wasn't was it, it. Yeah. yeah and that was horrible and it was fat phobic it was just nasty from mm. start to finish but you kind of knew where you stood but now it's not let's put in loads of work let's put in loads of effort let's work on you to improve you to make you reach a standard it's now the work is the is the end goal like this constant self-optimization that mm. is the thing that is the thing that's meant to give us the, the happiness and the contentment this kind of striving but what for none of us really know yeah everyone's pretending that it's not about losing weight or whatever <sighs> but maybe it is maybe it isn't you know yeah, it's yeah. it's so elusive now like the logic behind it all that we're just kind of on the hamster wheel running who knows where yeah God, and, I, and then you never get the chance to stop and then no. you all go mad. It's, um, oh God, that's so interesting. That's made me think of two things. I learned a really interesting thing recently about sports psychologists, but also the first thing it's reminded me of is I'm really on social media for work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but increasingly because at the moment I'm doing a show uh, born out of somebody calling me hench in the gym and I... I had a visceral emotional reaction that I couldn't intellectually justify and this show is born out of that uh, trying to dissect that conflict um, anyway through the making of the show I've become a lot a lot more chilled out I'm perfectly happy actively would like don't mind at all being called hench whatever or any word like it mm-hmm. all the words that mean all of those things big all the words mean big and I put a picture um, somebody had used a picture for an interview uh, that I didn't know had been ever taken of me, but it was of me on stage. And my arm looks really big in it. And I know that a year ago I'd have hated the picture. And I looked at it and I was like, ha ha, look how big and lush my arm looks really big and lush. Mm-hmm. And so I put the picture on and said, oh, I like my arm in this, wouldn't have done in the past. End of. Yeah. Lots of like nice comments, friend, friends and strangers. And one person, and I know it's entirely well-meaning, put something like, OMG, I'm so impressed with your progress. What? I know. It's exactly. It's reminded me exactly of. I literally read it this morning, and I've just got to stop reading the bottom of the internet, even if it's just comments on my own thing. But but it's it's just exactly what you said, right? It's this thing of like, whoa, no, no, no. I'm not on a journey to a better body. That's not why I'm doing that. I like. I really. It makes me feel very nice, and it makes me feel saner. I and I go because I enjoy it. I and when I enjoy it, and not when I don't. That I'm not. It's not progress from what to what. But it's that, how it's entirely well-meaning. I am yeah, certain yeah. that was a well-meaning. I'm sure it is. Comment. But it, it's, it definitely speaks to the this really weird bind that we've got ourselves into as a yeah. society, doesn't it? I always think about, about things in terms of. Uh, I don't know why I carry this thought round with me, but I do. <laughs> It's um, how would I explain it to an alien? That's what I think all the time about all kinds of things. Brilliant. From. from dogs to to outerwear you know how would yeah, I explain yeah, it to yeah. an alien and yeah how would we explain our kind of body image stuff to an alien at the yeah. moment because everyone's saying I think now it's roughly accepted which is some progress that you really cannot should not must not fat shame people that's mm-hmm. horrible it's disgusting yeah and yet our society remains completely fat phobic at every yeah. single level and yeah 
you know, kind of everyone's told that you're fine as you are, but please keep making progress. And you couldn't yeah. explain it to an alien. You couldn't. No. So that's how I know that it doesn't make any sense and it needs to change. Yeah, isn't it bonkers? Have you read Sophie Hagen's book, Happy Fat? Oh, I've not finished it yet. I, le- I haven't. I it's one of those ones it. that's kind of in my bag, battered from oh, taking it around really? from place to place. Yeah. I, um, I listen to it. I like listening to comedians' books as much as reading them mm-hmm. because... You know, they're funny, aren't they, when they're reading them? <laughs> but um, so I listened to it over long drives. And yeah, I mean, I just felt that I was I learned an enormous amount about the extent of the horror in terms of fat phobia and how invasive yeah. it is and how everywhere it is. And and actually, practically, what equality would mean if we would really see it is something so different to what we've actually got. Yeah. Um, also, I think even I think it's potentially even optimistic what you're saying about that we generally know now not to be fat phobic. I think within our, presumably our woke liberal kind bubble. um, But if I just go back and talk to either parent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my dad's horrific, actually. Just out and out, like out loud horrific. It's it's massive, isn't it? That was was a real reach. I think it's just because I always see it. Where do I see it? Just on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... But yeah, in the real world, it's still it's a horrible place to be yeah. if you're fat. It's really we we have made next to no progress mm. on the big in the bigger picture. Um, there's another. I'm trying to. I don't not normally so um, sort of dropping names of books and stuff, but I feel like uh, because it's January and I'm trying to do this particular run of these, all kind of on the theme of this stuff with more than I would do usually, but. Um, there's oh god what's it called I might even have it open there's an amazing website health at every side yes that's yeah, so I know the good one. it's, it's really that's, good you, you mentioned that as well that's amazing isn't it you can take a pledge and even yeah. and all you need to do for that is read the front page of the website and it's not like it's not much yeah and that in itself is like uh, it gives you like a, a, a GCSE BBC bite sized version of um, reading a whole book on it it's I've, amazing I love that that site and I, I like their ethos a lot because it's kind of it is body positive but not in this kind of weird very commercial way that we're starting to see it come up in other other forums it's very much it's very unsexy it's just like some nutritionists some I don't know psychology people and they're like here's here's the way that yeah. you can really accept that you can be healthy every size and if you're not healthy or if you're disabled or whatever that's also fine you know they're, yeah, they're yeah. just very measured about it and yeah it's quite facty isn't it actually and gets to it and I think your book is an absolute game changer I think you write such a beautiful way and that actually when you were like how would I describe it to an alien like it's it's incredibly readable whilst also being really sort of articulate and conjures lots of really beautiful imagery and feelings and hunger (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, but the the other person who you mentioned in the book who I again has I think just a front page of a website that's got game changingly succinct and powerful thing on it is it Ellen Satter is that what you said she writes and again in like just about what normal eating is yeah that's it I love that quote it's a wonderful quote it's extraordinary isn't it it's just um what is it? It's like a paragraph, isn't it? About yeah. like normal eating is eating, sometimes eating until you're full and sometimes eating past the point of fullness and sometimes not eating quite enough. And yeah. and it's just, oh, you know, like there can be this variation. Yeah, and sometimes eating because you're happy or sad or yeah. bored or just because it's a nice thing to do. Yeah. And 
and sometimes being too nervous to eat or whatever. It yeah. just, it, it, <laughs> even in trying to remember it, I'm making it more <laughs> verbose. The joy of it is that it's just a nutshell. It's the most perfect yeah. little nutshell about it, there's no such thing as normality, yeah. ultimately. Yeah. And, 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 and nor, normal eating is as impossible a thing to strive for as any kind of sustained restrictive eating. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you about intuitive eating. Um, because it's so funny, uh, like you're saying on social media, or maybe we didn't touch on this, and maybe I, I'm, I've read you writing about this. Mm-hmm. Um, people are taking terms that have been historically useful. I suppose if we can bastardize any label mm-hmm. or any sort of term of eating, but people are t- finding ways to take intuitive eating, which just means eating what you want, ultimately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Um, and turning it into another diet. Yeah. I mean, do you think that how that's happening is because within intuitive eating or the the, the 10 steps of some forms or all of that, mm-hmm. which I learned about literally on Monday, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> then do you think this, that means... You, okay, what's my question here? Do you think because part of it is trying to connect to your body and how your body feels and how you feel mm-hmm. when you eat certain things... Um, and also being able to connect to your hunger and your fullness in a way. Do you think that's the bit that people have taken, perhaps even sometimes with good intentions and going, so stop when you're full. You've reconnected to your fullness, and so that's when you stop. I think people do run with that, yeah, yeah. definitely. I think that actually does explain a lot of why that particular idea, the intuitive eating stuff, has kind of been really picked up by certain kind of wellness-ish people. Yeah. Um, it's a real shame, though, because it, it's meant to be about... It's just about listening to your body. Yeah. That that's, that that's it in a nutshell. And obviously, there's a lot more to it. And there are some really good books that you can read if you want to learn more about how to do it properly. But it certainly shouldn't be a diet. It's not meant to be a diet. And I think it can be particularly useful for people who have had problems with dieting mm. quite obsessively, people who've had eating disorders, whether that's kind of restrictive or binging or a bit of both. Intuitive eating can be really, really useful, I think, if you're in the right point in your recovery. So to see it kind of getting dragged back down that restrictive path is is frustrating. Yeah, there's no way to do it right or wrong, really. So yeah. it's to try and make it something that... Um, formulaic is fucked up i think it's part again potentially it's part of like a human humanity to need some rules i think yeah it's a bit like you know when you're writing something you could write about anything yeah (laughs) give me some some boundaries i need you know something to start something too specific and you're fucked again Mm. but you know you and i think i wonder if perhaps we have a bit of that when it comes to eating and when if you go straight from perhaps especially if you were someone who's more disordered eating might have involved a lot more feelings of desire for control to then we go into something where you're like no the whole point is as you can do it like anything goes Mm. it's like that in itself i suppose might be a bit terrifying yeah Yeah. and i think people are drawn to rules a bit for sure and i think it's just um i mean you know if you're someone who kind of needs a bit of a, a structure in order to conquer eating if it's just a bit too much to just have like this free-for-all that's fine like I think anyone would say that's absolutely legit even if it's kind of quite strict if that's what you need at the moment that's fine but I think where my problem is with people who make quite a lot of money from kind of selling these 
wacky diet plans that don't call themselves diet plans like yeah. that's my real gripe not individual people who are kind of trying to make it work because we're all trying to make it work aren't yeah. we and it's difficult yeah it's really difficult <laughs> yeah more sometimes than others Can we try some of um, the food that you brought? Yeah. I ne- okay. Word of warning. Yeah. So as I mentioned briefly, I'm dog sitting. Yeah. So I'm in a completely new flat. The <laughs> oven is is it, it just does what it wants. It has its own okay. ideas about how it's going to cook stuff. So it's just um, it's like very, an agar. It's a very plain cake. It's an olive oh, oil wow. cake. <gasps> I love. Olive I figure oil that's good so for much. like a breakfasty kind yeah. of thing. It's quite plain, but we can have it with this lovely yogurt and oh, compote thing that I picked up from Pret. <laughs> yes, please. So I figure that's a, that's a decent oh, pairing. God, do you know what I um. I went in Pret the other day. I was very nervous before something, and I wanted a chamomile tea. They didn't do a chamomile tea, but they had a hot lemon, and I thought, oh, fuck it, it's just a herbal mm-hmm. tea. And um, but it's an actual hot lemon. Like I don't. I mean, it's probably still out of a sachet or whatever. Yeah. But it tastes. There wasn't a bag in it, and it was like an actual hot lemon and ginger. It was oh, really nice. full of sugar. Um, that I think I'm just sort of. Inst- I would just wouldn't have done it at home. I wouldn't have put the sugar in. Yeah. At home. I don't put sugar in any of my. I just I never have. Oh my god! It's I have a treat. to be so careful. If I start putting a sugar in tea, then I'm just suddenly if I feel like a, a sickly Victorian child like you know having having some sweetness in my beverage to nourish me you know and I get really hooked on it so I have to be careful I know if I've got sugar in my tea that it's a grey day hangover yeah that's it um, it's a real like you need this today <laughs> yeah the kindest tea is the sugary tea um, can I use my hands and take yes it yes please do yeah oh shit oh there we go I've broken it in bits there we go. Is that all right? Yeah, that's ideal. <laughs> Viking dishing. Um, it, then... it it won't be perfectly cooked, as I said, because of the oven. I blame the oven, but, you I'm know. So, I really... It sounds like I'm just wanging on too much about olive oil, but I love. I didn't realise how much I loved olive oil until I had a patch, and it didn't last long, but where I was making my own mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> What, what was the like concurrent life crisis? Um, I was making everything out of a book called Three Good Things. Okay. Um, and one of the recipes that I loved in it involved making your own mayonnaise. Okay. And I just learned to separate an egg using an empty plastic bottle where you put the <laughs> yeah, lid over the yolk the and then go, Whoop, and it sucks just yeah. the yolk up, which is really fun to yeah. show people. And so because you had to separate the eggs for that, I was enjoying that bit. I probably only ever did it about four or five times. But that's a lot of... It's a lot, lot of effort, mayonnaise. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and you're there with yeah. a fork aren't you, for half a day. Yeah, and then, um, and then, but it didn't taste. It doesn't taste like any mayonnaise I'd ever had before. I don't think I'd ever had any homemade mayonnaise. It tastes so much of the olive oil. Mm. I fucking love it. Yeah, I love things that taste of olive oil. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I made quite recently actually a mayonnaise that had uh, some white miso paste in it. <gasps> oh, that was nice. Ooh. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, Somebody made me scrambled egg that had a bit of miso in it. I don't know whether I'm it was white it. or brown. I'm into it. It's very little that you can't add a bit of miso to, yeah. is there? And have an even yeah. better time. Brownies. Ooh. Oh, they're spectacular. The white miso, not the other one. Right. Oh, oh my mouth water. Oh. I actually was, was going to make the miso brownies to bring here, but yeah. I'm pleased I didn't consider in the oven situation. They're, they're quite delicate. Don't, oh, are they? Yeah, don't. 
just stress yourself out using yeah. a fussy <laughs> oven with a tricky thing. Also, now you know about my almost perversion for olive oil. You should be pleased that there's, um, no, there's an olive oil here item here. we go. Here. It's perfect. Um, so shall I just dish some of this? Yeah, yeah. Just dollop it oh, out. Fit. Oh. <laughs> um, normally, when I record these at my house or whatever, we're in the lovely ACAS studio today. Um, oh, I want more of that fruity bit too. Um, perfect. You know, I don't Thank have you. mics as snazzy as this. Um, but yeah, I'm worried that you're going to hear my every yeah, my you're going to hear chew. my eating too. But um, the upside is that you got to hear the hopefully got to hear the sound of that granola <laughs> slapping on the plate because that's a lush sound. I'm excited. Oh, thank you so much. No problem. I I I did have a crisis last night. I was like, well, this is shit, <laughs> rubbish cake, and I'm going to go to Percy and go in the morning. I'm going to bring in some buns. <laughs> I changed my mind. So I haven't even tasted it yet, but the smell <laughs> that hits you straight away is so good. Mm. Oh God, it's lush. That is lush. Okay, good. You talk the talk. Are you one of those people who came out of exams going, I fucked it, and then you got an A? Yeah, but I did fuck this. I think it's important <laughs> to say though. I did. It, could, <laughs> it, it, it was so much better before, but anyway, it's fine. It's passable. It will do for a breakfast cake. It's so good. What? So tell me then, actually then, as someone who's really good at baking, what's wrong with it? Because to me, this is perfect. The oven was really hot. Right. So I, I then had to turn the oven right down until it was cooked through so it didn't burn too much on top, mm. which means it didn't cook through as much right. as I would have liked. Also didn't have weighing scale, so I had to eyeball <gasps> it. The fuck? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I would have just not done it. <laughs> A cake with no scales. Yeah, I kind of had cups, so I was like, kind of guessing how much what I mean you know when it, it's cup <laughs> measurements you're like what kind of cup because there yeah. are many cups yeah bras I, I can't yeah yeah <laughs> oh it's so good I fucking love it thank you you're welcome mm. what can I ask what's in it or is that giving away secrets oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, apart um, from olive oil yoghurt olive oil mm. um a bit of orange zest and juice, flour, baking powder, uh, light brown sugar, mm, salt, eggs. That's oh, it. I love it. I love the recipes in your book. I love Thank it you. when um, I love the way that they're sort of written in a. They're written like someone's telling you a story, not mm -hmm. like a recipe. That makes them feel a lot more doable, you know. Does it? It's a really good shout, yeah. I'm good. I've never, ever thought about making a gazpacho before. I think that's one of the first ones in it. And I was like, well, <laughs> I'm definitely making that. It, it, oh, I don't know. The magic of tomatoes. All that stuff really comes through. It really sort of paints a picture. Also, you made me... I've been doing this podcast for two years, talking to people about eating. So I thought I'd had every memory it was possible to have in terms of childhood. But um, the thing you were saying about... Um, when you're a kid and you have this, you eat in the way that your family eats, mm -hmm. and then the what happens when you go to other people's houses? And get, yeah. you said you got your mind blown by parmesan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it conjured memories I've forgotten I had. But yeah, I mean, we, you... we just used to have whenever there was pasta, bolognese, whatever. There'd be a big bowl or dish, terrine even of, <laughs> of cheddar in the middle of the table. Yes. <laughs> That's what we would have. And then I went round my friend's Megan's house, like when I was maybe ten ish. Yeah. And they had like a little dish of of parmesan. And 
it obviously was delicious. I loved it, but it was just like such a, it, it felt very novel. I'm sure we mm. probably have it at home. My mum will probably be really upset at me telling this story. She'll be like, yeah, Parmesan from when you were two. <laughs> <laughs> you pervert cheddar, you bastard. <laughs> yeah. Stop making a sound like we weren't part. <laughs> <laughs> I think my, yeah. oh god it's so funny isn't it I it, well it conjures a memory I'd completely forgotten about there's one family who I, I might if I thought about it I was like oh, they didn't I didn't think they looked after me that much but they must have done because I remember every time I went to the baker's I remember loads of different dinners from there just because it was so different to what I might have at home right and uh, so like I remember once having um I remember once we've been playing out all day and came in like really muddy, really knackered and had just two fried egg, two fried eggs and chips. Oh God, <laughs> so fit, so fit. Oh. And I don't know why, but we, we had fry ups at, at weekends in my house, but we, we just wouldn't have had that for dinner. Yeah, yeah. And it was it just so register. good. Yeah. yeah, just a dip in. Oh, perfect. Oh, um, and um, what happened to oven chips? No bastards really having oven chips anymore. Do you know what? We're all missing out. I'd, I think we're going through a carb crisis. Yeah. It is! Because we don't even realise. It's been drilled into us. I think, I'm sure you're younger than me. I, I, but for me, I was like, it's probably teens we stopped. We just sort of subliminally stopped having many carbs. Yeah. And now we just, it's just, it's so deeply in. The cynicism about them. I was looking through a <clears> recipe book the other day, you know, one of these, you know, very um, in vogue kind of new cookbooks and all these recipes I mean they're beautiful yeah. stunning recipes but I was like okay so beetroot with uh, tarragon and creme fraiche and then it was like roasted butternut squash with tahini and lemon and I was going through and I was like these are all vegetable side dishes like yeah. who can feed a family with like little bits of roasted baby carrot you, you can't <laughs> do that I, where's the pasta or the potato or the yeah. rice or the whatever it doesn't you know not every dish need, needs carbs obviously but pretty much though you know especially it helps, in january it? bloody yeah. hell yeah you oh god yeah brutal it's a oh, it's funny isn't it um the other dish i remember from that family i I can't remember if I liked it, but as a kid, I would eat whatever was put in front of me. And st I say as a kid, still now. <laughs> um, but um, they had um, stuffed marrow mm. and um, with like mince inside. And I think I, yeah, I think I remember finding it just a bit terrifying and watery, but the mince was nice, I think. I can't remember, it was so long ago. But then remembering those, that, those meals for the first time made me think, I wonder what people thought when they came around my house. Ooh. I probably had some really weird... Ooh. Also, did I ever have anyone round? I can't remember it. I'm a quarter Austrian, so I'd had... Okay. And my dad did most of the cooking when I was little, but um, it would have meant, you know, sometimes schnitzel, which is the oh, best. Oh, fun. Yeah. That's that's Really good fun as a kid decent. as well, yeah. getting to join in with the hammering. The great big wooden mallet was... Schnitzel is what I had with my uh, miso mayonnaise. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. You made your own schnitzel with your own hammering? Mm-hmm. Um, did you use pork or did you use, I think it, in, it's, is it meant to be veal? It is meant to be veal. No, I actually just did chicken. Just did chicken. Yeah. yeah Fair sorry. enough. <laughs> um, and, uh, and sometimes these amazing clear soups that had like a, I don't know what it was made out of, but either a dumpling in the middle that was all sort of grainy, maybe something polentary, mm -hmm. I don't know, or really thin strips of pancake in it. What? But just a broth soup, Ooh. yeah. That, and I remember making them with my Austrian nana, 
you make the pancakes and then cut them into really fine strips and then put like a handful in the middle of this I'm so into it broth soup yeah oh it just wouldn't occur to me to do that I know ever and I need to basically I need to find a recipe and make that for this for someone don't Mm. I um Okay, I'm going to ask you some of the things that I have asked everyone on here, mm-hmm. um, if you're up for it. Yep. So, oh yeah, you talked about eating as medicine in the book. And I quite often like asking people, do you think that anything you've eaten has ever cured or exacerbated an ailment? <laughs> oh, God. Um, I mean, I know m- lots of things that have made me sick, but that's just because I- I've kind of, I-, I tend to do things to excess. Right. You know, so, so I'll have yeah. slightly low blood sugar. I'll be a bit shaky. I'll be like, I'll just have some Haribo or something. That'll, that'll just get me back on track before you know it. I've had one and a half, like, family bags <laughs> and I feel thoroughly sick. So, yeah, yeah hard, hard to know. <laughs> what do I have? I don't know. Usually it's just, I, I think most of, most of the time, if food makes you feel better, it's because it's cheered you up. Yeah. I think it's either it's a distraction or it's just delighted your senses so much that you've kind of taken out of your body for a bit. It's so true, isn't it? And that thing of going, it comes back to that Ellen Sasser thing about like if you sometimes just eating, normal eating is eating because it's just a really nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, I think there's such a stark difference between saying I love, I think everybody says I love food, but there's still so much complicated shame about going, no, I just love eating. Sometimes I don't mind well, what it tastes of. Yeah. It's just an act of kindness to do the thing itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it is medicinal. Just the act is medicinal. Um, even in, And even more so if you include all the lush anticipation. Yeah. And then the feeling of fullness. And can enjoy feeling full without any complication. Oh, I, I love feeling full. I sometimes wonder, like, what, what could I get done? What could I be capable of <laughs> if I didn't spend all of my time just either putting things in my mouth or planning the next thing that I'm going to put yeah. in my mouth. Like, what could I do? Like- I know. Well, it's terrifying, isn't it? I sometimes, I often think that. I think that every day, if I'm honest. <laughs> but I also think, I, I also think it could be worse. It used to be worse and it used to be negative. Mm. So at least it's a positive thinking about it all the time. That's true. Which actually crushes creativity when you're negatively obsessing over food all the time. Then there's no other room for anything. Mm. Um, but then also I think it as well when, I, when I'm thinking why do I think about it all the time what, what could I achieve I think well what could I achieve if I never drank alcohol if I got eight hours sleep mm. um, and I wonder whether we always need something <laughs> <laughs> otherwise we'd all like be cyborg super yeah. like grimly productive <laughs> I don't want that no I don't, I don't want, want that. that I feel especially I, I do feel in, in these uh, terrible modern times, I feel like we should all take it upon ourselves to be not just unproductive, but counterproductive a significant amount of the time. Yes. Like, let's not devote ourselves too wholly to like the, you know, the, the machine. Yeah. <laughs> what can we do that's just lazy and, and self-indulgent and fun and silly? And I think it's important. It's so important. I feel like there's a there's even a movement for it, isn't there? Like a do fuck all. There's got there's a website somewhere called Do Fuck All someday. <laughs> there's got to be, really? isn't there? Yeah, there, there's something for everyone, isn't I there? I think I find that even when I'm I don't know I'm quite workaholic, and I find that even when I'm like I, basically my life and every conversation with my shrink is me going, yeah, I just need to do a bit less. Just need to do a bit less. All I need to do is do a bit less. <laughs> Which sounds again so easy, but it's 
so hard. <laughs> but I find that even when I'm like, right, half a day, not going to do anything. What do I like doing when I'm not doing anything? <laughs> and then yeah. you're just like, well, 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 well I want to watch something. And then I'll look at the watching something, which is an joyful thing I'm yeah. lying still even if I'm not going to look at my phone I'm actually going to watch it and then I'll be like well maybe I could get through two films like, that's not really? a relaxing way of doing no, it that's not good yeah I think I'm probably horrible to be around Ruby <laughs> um, <laughs> um, um, oh, what's the most or least romantic thing you've ever eaten I love the way that you talk in your book about the first thing you remember making for your partner mm. to eat and, and, and having made for you I think that's yeah that, I mean, that was romantic, making making shit pancakes. But I actually, I feel something something I've not talked about, and actually, it occurs to me now that it's worth talking about. Is when I was younger, so I'm I think I was maybe seventeen or eighteen, and I would make things for various boyfriends that I had at the time. Yeah. And thinking about it now, that's actually some of the worst and least romantic stuff in the world because I was just kind of it wasn't like oh I'm going to make this person something because I because they're lovely or something it was just is it was just a bit like how do I be a good girlfriend like what would a mm. lovely girlfriend do and so I would do things like I remember making like a a steak and ale pie for this <laughs> This young man, and I look back. I'm like, why, why? I'm so upset at myself. Like even now, like, I, yeah, it just came from all the wrong motivations. Like the act was fine, but the motivations were clapped. So yeah, they were. yeah. It's so funny, but you know, have you ever listened to a podcast called Joan and Jerrica? No, I haven't. It's Julia Davis and um, Vicky Pepperdine playing these awful agony aunt characters. Okay. It's a very done thing, but it's just they do it so beautifully they're horrific they're kind of it's ultra feminist through how awful these two women are but okay. there's a well somebody writes to them and says I'm trying to seduce a man I'm going to cook him dinner what shall I make and they both just go well men like meat lots of big red meaty meat they like offal they like bleeding meat they like and it's just I don't know why but you're you're, you're sort of vaguely ill-conceived steak and ale pie yeah, for, a, really for a lad big strapping red meat lad <laughs> Oh, it was a mess back then. Oh, a mess now, but in a, in a way that I'm a lot more fond of. Yeah, same. I've got ownership over my messiness yeah. now. I did horrific things, not with, not with eating actually, with in those early relationships. But I mean, I a long time ago I told this podcast on here, but I had so little pride as a as a teenager that once a boy at school walked past and with his small entourage mm. of hench boys, henchmen, hench children. <laughs> And um, just sort of walked past and sort of half shouted across the playground, Jess, do you want to go out with me? And I went, yeah, yeah, like that. And then one of, <laughs> one of the lads behind him went, he just asked about five other people and they've all said no. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. That is fine. Oh, um, oh that, that It's heartbreaking. It's <laughs> so heartbreaking. He's such a lovely man now and he's, really? yeah, he's happily <laughs> married and... And now I bump into him sometimes whenever I go back <laughs> to where I'm from in Dorset and he's, he's really embarrassed that I tell that story <laughs> on my podcast. But it, yeah, I mean, it happened. What is wrong with us? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I think in terms of like that, the least or the most romantic things, there's something so connected about, I'm at the start of, of, of I, just, I came out of a nine-year relationship, so I'm within the first year of a new relationship, mm. which is so it's very new, but it's so connected to falling for someone, feeding them, mm. for me. I think I know yeah. I'm from a, I'm from a dad who really his own, only way of expressing love is right. f- feeding. Um Unfortunately, combined with a really toxic hatred of fat people. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but um, but it's, oh, God, it's unentanglable f- from falling for someone, me wanting to cook for them and be cooked for. Yeah. It's loving and being loved. It's that black and white, isn't it, it really? It is. And I think it, you, 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 you're so quickly made aware of the limitations of your love and and what you can do for someone like one thing that seems to be a recurring theme is that I end up in relationships with people who have some kind of block with food in some way like people who don't like sweet things (gasps) oh Oh my god! You know, you know how how, yeah. how do I operate with that? Or you know, people who like you know get really intimidated if I if I give them food and they can't, they just they get to the point where they just can't really eat anything because it it it's a sort of sort of, st- of stress for them right, historically. Right, right. And I kind of encounter this stuff, and I'm like, what am I doing that I'm ending up with people <laughs> like this? Like I need someone who just is, is happy to be fed. But actually, I think I'm sure on some level I'm seeking out people that I can try and win with the food. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm going to make you love it. I'm going to make you love me. Yeah. Like, if it was all too easy, I'm sure I'd be like, yeah, they're wet anyway, not interested, you know? Like, yeah, they liked everything I made. Yeah, yeah. They ate it effortlessly. <laughs> Where's their And edge? loads of it. Yeah. yeah. Where's their edge? <laughs> Um, yeah, my ex. Did, I, I I have an ex who didn't like any spicy food, Ooh. and I'm so into spicy food. But um, yeah, they would um, they would sweat in if, even if they had a nice and spicy knickknack. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I it really um, yeah that re- and didn't like peppers. And actually, the the spicy food I just as the relationship went on ignored more and more. <laughs> what, but not, you just well, I it? guess you know what we probably ate less together. Okay. Got busy. Yeah. But I um uh I didn't eat pep I just didn't cook with peppers for nine years. And I love peppers. 
Are you still on the kind of pepper? Pepper resurgence, pepper rebellion, yeah. yeah, pepper, pepper revolution, pepper, pepper, <laughs> peppers. Give me more peppers. Um, yeah, a little bit. Oh, it's funny, isn't it? Um, really, uh, really early in this relationship as well. I, my partner asked me. She said, "If um, she said, do you like leeks?" And um, I was like, "Yeah, yeah. Why do you ask that?" And she, oh, no reason. And I was like. Did your ex not like leeks? <laughs> she was like, yeah, she didn't like leeks. Yeah, just checking if you like leeks. And it's the same thing. It comes down to this like, can I eat leeks again all the time? <laughs> yeah, you can. Do what you like. Well, that's the funny thing, isn't it? That, that we don't give ourselves permission, or at least for me, it, yeah. it might be different for you, but if, if I'm kind of with someone, even just like spending time with a friend, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they don't like something, I'm like, well, that's it, I'll give that up for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've kind of got my mum's martyr streak in me. It is. It's catastrophization of me not to eat it. You it's know? so true. No one was asking us not to eat yeah. it. I could have had peppers all this time. She could have had leeks. Yeah. <laughs> There's no need to find relief in one another's love of peppers or leeks. No. Uh, um, tell me about something you particularly remember eating in a moving vehicle, like on a plane or Ooh. on a car journey. Oh. Um, I mean, usually for me, I think when when my partner and I moved from Sheffield to London, we, yeah. we came down in a van with a nice man called Richard, who'd also moved us up there, so he was kind of witness to our, our disappointments. Oh. And, uh, oh. <laughs> I, I kind of remember having, I think, a bag of minstrels in my pocket and Gosh. just kind of sliding sliding a hand in, picking out a minstrel, you know, every every 300 yards or so <laughs> down the length. <laughs> the, the, the M1. Uh, yeah, the M1. <laughs> But, um, yeah, furtive eating, I think, is yeah. what I do on transport. Very furtive. Even though nobody was outlawing minstrels, I could have had as many as I wanted. I could have offered them round, but I didn't want to do that, did I? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> a great reason for furtivity, if that's a word. Furtive is such a lovely word. <laughs> furtive eating in a car. Say scrum diddly umptious. And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly umptious. Hangover? What are you having? Hangover. Oh. Oh, a drink buffet. Usually Ooh. that's it, isn't it? You know when of you hydrate of, of hydrants. Yeah, you kind of don't realise you're doing it at the time. That's the joy of it. It kind of yeah. sneaks up on you. You're sat down with friends in a in a kind of greasy spoon or something, and before you know it, you're ready. So you've got a can of coke, <laughs> you've got a big thing of water, you've got an orange juice, and you've got a coffee all yeah. on the go at once. Yeah, and it's just happened to you. Your body's just dictated it. It <laughs> must be so, so, and so true. it is so. I'd never thought about it until a friend said to me recently, like, you know, when you've got a really awful hangover where all you've done is drink all day, all of those lovely drinks all day, subconsciously and consciously, yeah. but you don't have a wee until about four o'clock. Ooh. You're like, oh, 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 that's your body <laughs> oh, really no. just. Going, oh God, it's, it's literally your brain's drunk half of that. Your poor little shriveled walnut of a brain oh, no. has guzzled half of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so perfect. It's a brilliant answer, a whole drink buffet. Um, oh, I suppose, do you like cooking for people? Does it feel like a busman's holiday? I... It's weird. I feel really drawn to it. Like, I love cooking for people. If I go around someone's house and they're having, like, a, a house party or something, I will happily potter around in the kitchen the whole time, helping out, making bits, doing the washing up. Like, that's where I'm at home. Yeah. I love to have a purpose. I don't like, f like free floating around. 
and yeah, I also deeply resent it and hate it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> like I, 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 I find like with the cake today, you know, it's it's fine. It is what it is. But it's lovely. Nothing ever seems to go right when I do it for other people. Yeah. Like the um, the the disasters that I've had in the kitchen. Yeah. The higher the stakes, the worse the the disaster every single time. Yeah. And so I just kind of don't like doing it anymore. It just stresses me out. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, a shame. I have a thing where um. I have it in 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 my work as well, like as a comic. There are certain comedians who I can't have a nice gig in front of, mm. and um, certain clubs I can't have a nice gig in. Right. And um, I used to be quite like, I'm gonna keep going back, and I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna, <laughs> and now I'm like, nah, just won't go there. Yeah. No, just walk away if I see their comedians there. <laughs> no, well, not quite. The second one's a bit harder. But I have the same thing in the sense that I have, at the moment, a friend who I am cursed in cooking for. Mm. And I've never made anything nice for my dad. <laughs> but my friend Hattie comes around and first I bought her a soup that we were feeding our little kids with as well, but it just tasted of fucking nothing. It had all the ingredients in of soups I'd made in the past. I don't know. It just tasted of nothing. And then she came around and I made like some cod on a spicy tomato sauce. And it's just, I mean, it turned out exactly how I'd make it normally, but mm-hmm. I just hadn't checked how spicy she liked food and she hated it. And at one point during it, I said, she was like sweating. And I was like, have you, (laughs) I said, you're not, I said, you're not enjoying this, are you? I can do something else. And she went, don't worry, I'm getting through it. Oh, Oh, God. Fuck. I've had her around for food since. Just made a, made a pasta thing that tasted of nothing. I I can't um, get it right. I had a big interview once. And a, and a lady, a very successful, lovely, good writer person came yeah. from an American newspaper and it was a big deal for me to get profiled in this in this place. And um, she was like, I'd love to just see you cooking. I'd love for you to just like cook something and I'll just watch and I'll ask you questions while you cook and it's, you know, it can be really <laughs> low key. And I was thinking, okay, yeah. Do, <laughs> do you know what? I think it's a great idea. What I'll, what I'll do is I'll cook something that I've never cooked before. That's a good oh. idea. <laughs> So I made this fucking, like, <laughs> fish, like a whole fish. I've never cooked a whole fish. I've never done it in my life. And it, it, was, it was kind of black on the outside. It was raw inside. I had this nasty fucking salad thing that I'd done with it that was just full of real runyon. I don't know. It just kept getting worse and worse. But you know when you're just committed to just following through no matter what yeah, happens? yeah. And we had, we had to sit there at the table, like, picking at this. Every time I think about it, you know sometimes there are these things that kind of give you a shiver of horror, horror as you walk around Asda or something. Yeah. They just come to you. That's one of those things. I think about that weekly. Oh! Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. I do know exactly what you mean. When you get a little flashback to it and go, what yeah. was I doing? You find yourself, you know, when you remember something like that, it, it's it's a visceral, like, shudder, yeah. isn't it? yeah. Shame is really powerful. Yeah. I've got one I've just remembered then that I think about all the time. Oh, it's God. not an eating one, but oh God. I well, I was little, I don't know how young, a kid. And um, my granddad had bought me a Sega, was it called Master System? It was like the first ever Sega games console. Oh, like the Mega Drive thing? No, Mega Drive was a level up. Oh. So okay, it was Christmas Day and everybody's yeah, everybody sat around and um um m- my friend rang up 
and like Merry Christmas, what did you get for Christmas? And I, she said, I said, I've got a Sega Master System from my granddad. Okay. Um, and she said, oh, I got a Sega Mega Drive. And I out loud, right in front of my granddad went, I wish I had a Sega Mega Drive. Oh no. And he heard and he looked really sad. Oh. Horrific. Oh no. What a little fucking prick. You ungrateful little prick. <laughs> Oh. Oh no. That yeah. guilt will I think just about be that. with you forever. That's yeah. yeah. I think about it forever. <laughs> I, and it yeah, it's visceral. It's a real like a thorn in and like a oh. There we go. Well, nothing I can do about it. Now. <laughs> I've apologized to go, to you, Gordy. He uh he's he's in a nursing home now and he's, okay. he hasn't he's got dementia but he um and he's he's in his mid nineties, but he um He's still quite clear about what he does and doesn't want to do, which is quite funny. I went down to see him at Christmas, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't want to move from his chair. Okay. And he's got a girlfriend who sits next to him the whole time. Stro- oh, They that's stroke lovely. each other's hands. Yeah, they don't know, can't remember each other's names, and but they're all over each other, really. And they... Um, do you know that... Not? No, no, you don't want to yeah, know that. I this. do want to know that, yeah. No, is it that people in the 90s are having more sex than ever before? Well, yeah, I just... I, I, I heard or, or read somewhere that um, STIs are a big problem. In, in, nursing, in homes. nursing homes. Oh, no, they are. Because everyone's at it. Yeah, they are. And um, But because of people's um, problems with memory, the staff do have a duty of care in my granddad's nursing home mm-hmm. to try and stop that happening if possible. But yeah. I, what I will say is they're not stopping it happening completely because oh, the few bits of conversation I am delighted <laughs> for them. And, you know, they're pretty s- sort of sneaky and cute and oh, comical I about it. it. I used to do a bit of stand-up about it, but I never really got it to work because it was just a story. But he's had this... this girlfriend sort of in there the woman who sits next to the whole time and at one point early on in their courtship um she had the staff told my family this she slipped him a note saying meet me as soon as you can in room number nine during bingo and um he'd look really chuffed put the note in his pocket which they'd all clocked she gets up leaves he forgets it's there plays another 45 minutes of bingo (laughs) and they said the best thing about it was and then you know the note had fallen out of his pocket and they said the best thing about it is she was in room number eight (laughs) (laughs) so the liaisons are under threat from so many things when you're short in memories that tiny it's really hard even to have a really sexy fling with someone but yeah he's clear about what he wants or doesn't want and uh, and um I know one of the family members there said, oh, it must be lovely to sit outside or in the conservatory sometimes. And he doesn't like moving. He went, mm, like that. And his girlfriend said, oh, it is lovely to sit out there. Should we go and sit out there now? And he went, no. <laughs> like, Love the clarity of that from him. Um, five second rule, yes or no? Um, I'll go for, I mean, depending on the on the state of the object and the state yeah. of my psyche, honestly, I can go for any amount of time. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's some things, Smarties, Minstrels, Evergreen. Ever- Doesn't matter. Down the Amazing. back of the sofa forever with the 20p and, and the dog fur or whatever. Evergreen. Give it a dust off. Evergreen is the best <laughs> word I've used ever to describe that. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? Sometimes I try and stop myself, but can't. But can't. <laughs> I've, like a dollop, there's a bit of, um, oh, I can't remember. It was something that's white and soft. What was it? A bit of some kind of cheese or something. <laughs> Maybe goat's cheese or something, and it hit, hadn't hit the deck. It hit the table, but it definitely had a bit of hair in it. Oh, and I could, and I was, fine. it was going in. It was on the tip of my fingers, going in. It's getting closer. It's getting closer. And I was going, don't, don't. It's got hair. Don't. <laughs> it's got hair though. It's got hair though. It's got hair though. It's in. It's in. Swallowed. Absolutely fine. Do you know? I found um, it was it really made my made my month even. <gasps> 
last month I was walking along in, in Deptford, close to where I live. And you know sometimes you'll see chocolate bar wrappers, but they're not squished, so they look like there's a chocolate bar in them that there's not when you kind of give oh. it that little sneaky kick. <gasps> the worst. It was a Mars Duo, <gasps> unopened, just on the ground. Oh. I was beside myself. Pristine Mars Duo. Pristine Mars Duo. And the thing is, I could have gone into any shop. I could have bought that. Yeah. But it's just not the same. No, it's, it's just not, the, not same. the same. It's not the same. Also, you've got the thrill of like, I don't know, I would have the thrill of a paranoid imagination of going, what if somebody's injected it with something? What if, it's, <laughs> really? what if there's like some secret cash rolled in the middle of it that was meant for a special oh, code deal? occur to me. I mainly just felt sad, like, oh, someone's bought that and they've dropped it. Oh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no, you've been more empathetic and kind. And you, what you've done is assumed people are nice and I've assumed they're really elaborate <laughs> chocolate using murderers mm, delicious a special new plague arrives you catch it um, whenever you leave a whatsapp group which means that you either live in a state of absolute hell overwhelmed panicking and permanently distracted and annoyed or you have the plague and the plague is one that really really hurts and the special new plague has agreed though to go back to being just an idea but only if you and will it does have to be you ruby uh, have to read the best book anyone has ever written but it's 21 million pages long and you've got to do it in one day it sounds impossible but you do it we're saved you are the hero of all people forever and ever and ever but because you've been reading this book in a world frenzy for hours and hours and hours and hours you've totally forgotten to eat so you're so hungry and apart from the adulation of all people of all time your award in the moment is the feast of your dreams this okay. is and when i say of your <laughs> dreams i mean nothing in it has to be possible mm -hmm. i certainly couldn't give a fuck if anything's ethical healthy has any consequences couldn't give a fuck i just want to know in a dream situation if anything was possible, what would you eat? And you are hungry. What okay. would you eat? What would you drink? Who with and where? Right. If there's a who with and where. Um, oh. <laughs> I think because my birthday is 4th of July. <gasps> Mine's the 5th of July. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> I've always had this kind of completely ridiculous idea that like, somehow my favourite foods should be like American foods. Like that. Oh, yeah, of Even course, though it doesn't really though. correspond to anything, really. <laughs> but it means that whenever I'm really treating myself, I get things like a grilled cheese and like a chocolate malt shake and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I just can't help it. I don't know why. Something's gone wrong in my brain. That's just what I consider to be the ultimate. So I think I'd get like, oh... I think I'd probably get like a grilled cheese sandwich with like pickles and stuff. Mm. And I'd get like a massive, you know when they do with the milkshake in a big jug? Oh, yeah. I want, like, I want a malted vanilla, one of them. And I want so much that it makes me ill. And then I want a big bit of cherry pie and <laughs> oh. ice cream and, and a Coke. And a Coke? Yeah, that's Straight what I want. Coke. I've never had malted vanilla milkshake before. Oh. You, you must. Could you, you must. make it if you made a vanilla milkshake, put some Maltesers in, in a whizzer? Yeah. No? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you'd be better off putting in some um, Horlicks. Or Nutriment. Is that quite malty? What's that? It's that, um, It's like a nutritional supplement drink, but it's it basically, uh, a, pr a previous guest was telling me about Guinness Punch. Oh. Maybe I'll save it because I think actually it's going to go out in a future episode. Okay. But it's made with Guinness Nutriment, which is like a malt drink that's okay. like oh, milk. I've seen this in the shops. You've shop. seen them in shops. Yeah, they've got, yeah. they're it's quite colourful tins. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But it's like the shape of a 
food tin, same right. as like soup tin. It doesn't look like a drink, yeah. but it is. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you could do it that. I mean, I'm, what I'm doing now is waffling in conjecture. Um, and um, if, would you have a who, with, and where for this feast? This is. Um I'll have to bring this up in therapy one day, but I just just by myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely answer. Just by myself. You're not the first person, and you won't be the last person to say that. It's such a nice thing. How else could you possibly take your time and just be? And that's why she's got to be worried about you know. Oh, are they enjoying it? You know, yeah. You know, I don't know. Just by myself, somewhere, somewhere with a I don't know, nice, nice view, nice corner table. No one's going to disturb me wherever it is. Oh. That's me done. Yeah. Heaven, thank you so much for doing this and um, thanks for the f- really fit cake. No problem, thank and you happy so much. And happy new year. Yeah, happy new year. What a kind, bright, brilliant force of wonderment Ruby is. If you ever read one single book about food or eating, please make it her book, Eat Up. It's almost perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. Um, I really couldn't have loved it more. It's called Eat Up and it's available from all the usual book places and I'm not being paid to recommend it. I just thought it was stunning. And if you're into this podcast, then you'll 100% be banging to Ruby's book. Come and see a Hoovering Live. Next one's in Leicester on the 9th of February in the afternoon. And it's cheap anyway, but there's also a discount if you're one of my patrons go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod to find out more about that i'm on tour with my show hench go to my website jessicafosterq.com and look at forward slash my doings click the bit that says my doings and i'll list all of my tour dates and the hoovering lives there follow us on social media at the hoovering pod and i'm on there too at jessica fosterq want to send me a longer message or anything like that you can do all of that through my website as well happy 100th episode and see you next week i'm so happy and proud about the guests i've got for you this month next week is a doozy Huge thanks to Acast for letting us record there for this one and for hosting the podcast. Hoovering's produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy hoovering. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.